I'm Helani Ellis, and this is the Exceptional Admins Podcast, where I invite admins, executives, and influencers to come together in an intimate setting. The world for administrative professionals doesn't just involve basic tasks. It includes an array of requests, challenges, and triumphs. During each episode, you'll be a witness to candid conversations and hear and join in on many, many laughs. And for those that know me, it wouldn't be complete without thought-provoking moments. The distinguished guests sharing time with us during each episode believe in the admin profession and have much to contribute to the greater good of executives, their admins, and organizations. Now, let's get to today's topic. Hi everyone, I'm excited to share with you today one of my favorite resources. I personally use this product, I've been using it for many, many years, and I'm here to promote self-care, something we should all be thinking about. Rodan and Fields, it's a skincare line, you've probably heard of it. It was founded by two amazing women, dermatologist experts in 2000, and they are continually building a product line that invests in male, female, and teens. And I'm sharing this product with you today because it's really important that we remember self-care. Sometimes it's just realizing that you've put wonderful cream under those dark eyes, you've boosted those lashes with their lash boost, or maybe you've got just a bit more glow in your skin. I highly suggest that you check them out. And I'm also bringing forward my girl, my girl Morgan, who takes care of me and she's been doing it for many years with the different products that they have in their product line. Morgan can be found at M-O-R-G-A-N-C-O-H-A-R-A dot M-Y-R-A-N-D-F dot com. So check her out. She's also on Instagram sharing a lot of great stories there. Tell her I sent you and enjoy. could go back in time and speak to my younger self and actually listen <laughs> to the advice. <laughs> listen to I yourself. Was, <laughs> right? <laughs> I love it. Um, so the first thing is I would tell myself, don't be so hung up on your insecurities. Welcome everyone to another episode here at Exceptional Admins. I'm jazzed about my guest today, Darren Canthal. He is a New Yorker at heart. Darren has a uniquely unapologetic yet compassionate style and his individualized results-oriented approach helps leaders show up as the best versions of themselves at every stage of their career. And I know for many of you that have been listening along, you're like, wow, I can totally tell why Helani is excited about this guest. His uh, career coaching builds upon an extensive background of HR consulting and staffing, dot, dot, dot. So we've got some really amazing things to discuss today, mental fitness, positive intelligence, and so on. Darren, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Halani. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and we've met a few times. We actually met in person, which was so exciting to finally meet you in person. We've had a couple different chats, and the part that really stuck out to wanting to spend time with you today, as well as bring a conversation between the two of us forward, was that very important piece, positive intelligence. So I want to start with, you know, kind of what were you doing before that led you to now this very mission-driven daily uh, business and activity that you do to give everyone that backstory, please. All right. So kind of funny to me is that much of my growing up, and I'm 45 years old, whether that's old or young, <laughs> depends on you. Yeah, it's young. I'm 41. Yeah. All right. Young. Fair enough. I'll take it. 
So I've always been headstrong and mm. call it stubbornness, call it headstrong, call it what you will. Mm-hmm. And so passionate. My youngest is that way. So I say passionate. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Um, and so when I'm passionate about something, I'm usually focused, goal-driven, accomplished, all those great things. Mm-hmm. At my worst, I think about under pressure sometimes, when I'm succumbed by insecurity, these types of things, I find myself rather weak-minded. Mm-hmm. And, and the way I kind of see it in myself is I always think about sports folks. Mm-hmm. Tennis player, I'm a Yankees fan. Mario Rivera was this amazing closer. Mm-hmm. And you watch these guys, and there's plenty of gals too. I think about Olympians. Um, sure. I think about amazing speakers. They're, it, it, they're seemingly unrattled. Even in the face of adversity, right? Like if you're a baseball person, you think about giving up a home run in the ninth inning Mm -hmm. and you've got another batter to face and you've got to brush off real quick. You know, I think about when I was young watching uh, Chris Everett play Martina, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So I think about, you know, female tennis players, two of my favorites growing up, Martina Navratilova and Chris Everett. In the middle of the match, right, doesn't matter how many unforced errors they have, doesn't matter how much better their opponent may be playing at that particular time, there's always another point that comes in a matter of seconds. And so Mm -hmm. what I started to realize in myself was that at my best, I was pretty strong and I could overcome adversity. At my worst, I totally succumbed to it. Mm -hmm. And then there's this term that a client of mine uses called a shame spiral. And if that's too strong of a term... I also call it getting hijacked by whatever emotion takes over. Yeah. And I started noticing myself that once I was hijacked or in that shame spiral, I was otherwise useless Mm. and it took quite a bit to get over it. Mm -hmm. So a long story to talk about positive intelligence, which is about many, many things. Uh, One thing it's been to me is it has taught me how to reduce the time (laughs) between once I'm hijacked to once I recover. Yeah. Excellent point. Yeah. So the other thing about positive intelligence is one of our, our biggest tenets, if you will, it's, it's, it's really the definition that, that we use of mental fitness, which is one's ability to handle life's challenges with a positive rather than negative mindset. Mm-hmm. And so to me, this is not just a matter of putting on rose colored glasses, but rather recognizing when a shame spiral or hijacking is about to occur, right? learning how to overcome those things, and then find some sort of positive perspective, some beneficial perspective that can then shift me to higher sense of being, more positivity, a sense of calm, all those great things. That's really awesome. And that higher sense of being, I wrote that down because what a really neat way to describe rising above, uh, not as you said, right, the spiral. And immediately when we think spiral, at least I did when you said it, spiraling down, uh, that is so beautiful, higher mm-hmm. sense of being, and, and which ultimately you haven't said it, but you might later, self-awareness, which is connected to how we're thinking, which is connected to a word that you said that I love, mindset. And it's a great segue to my next question. You know, what advice would you give your younger self as you've begun this professional story and this 
I wouldn't say new area, but more enlightened area. Yeah. So I put a lot of thought into this one Mm -hmm. and I was really thinking about if this were true and I could actually make it happen as in my 45 year old self right this moment could go back in time and speak to my younger self and actually listen (laughs) to the advice. (laughs) Listen to yourself. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I love it. Um, So the first thing is I would tell myself, don't be so hung up on your insecurities. Mm. My insecurities are my own. And oftentimes they are not validated by anyone else. Uh, yeah. So it's like I am imprisoning myself based upon facts that I create that have no validity outside of my brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two is I would tell myself, be open to criticism and feedback. Yeah. You know, I was so tied to being quote unquote right. that I I felt like my worthiness was based on being right. Ah. And therefore, if I received criticism or feedback that told me otherwise, then I argued because I took it as you're telling me I'm unworthy, which is also not true. That spiral. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Those two things are great. Mm -hmm. Keep going. Yeah, no, there's just a couple others because I was really thinking about this. Um, Find mentors whether they're formal Mm -hmm. or informal. Mm -hmm. I lost my father in 1997. I was two months away from being 22 years old. Mm -hmm. And no one, no male, no adult male has replaced the mentoring relationship I had with my pops. Mm -hmm. So finding mentors to me is tremendous. Mm -hmm. Uh, Putting money away into my 401k at a younger age. And remembering. (laughs) Yeah. And remembering that my parents are right. I used to fight my mom and dad about all these life lessons. Mm -hmm. And my mom beams when I say, you know what, Ma, you know that lesson you were teaching me way back when? You were right. Right. Oh, Mm -hmm. as a mother, I love that phrase. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I do. It's really funny. And when my kids say something smart, I return it and say, God, I want to grow up and be like you someday, which then produces a <laughs> the really great chuckle. You provided more than one thing, which is amazing. And I actually noted two things here. You phrased it, you know, in being more open to criticism, which is connected to mindset, which is connected to positive intelligence and the positive quotient, which we're getting to, which is a part of your day-to-day work. There's a phrase I've picked up on in the year 2020 that can be used anywhere. I used it specifically with someone I was working with because I started to pick up on certain things that were promoting a false reality on where her role, she thought she was absolutely within the same category of other people within leadership, but she still had a lot of learning to go through to get to that level. And there were some tendencies that put her in not a positive light, hence the reason of coaching and consulting her. When you say open to criticism and feedback, because there's a bit of a manipulation of the way that someone sees something, what would you say to that with that false reality or creating, you know, an incorrect, false reality, an incorrect one? What comes to mind? Man, I feel like I lived that for a long time, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I think is that when we have, and, I'll, and I'll, I'm speaking through my own eyes. Right. Right. So when I was insecure about something at work, mm-hmm. which was often, I wasn't smart enough. I mm-hmm. wasn't effective enough. 
I didn't have a loud enough voice. I couldn't persuade enough. I wasn't enough, period. Mm-hmm. Right? So that, that leads to an insecurity or I was insecure. And when I received criticism, it added more weight on top of that insecurity, which made me feel even less worthy. Mm-hmm. And instead of seeing that feedback is a gift, it's a window into yes. how you are perceived by others. Mm-hmm. And if you take it as a gift, you can then decide whether or not you want to modify your behavior or not. Mm-hmm. If you choose to modify, great. If you choose not to modify, also great. Your eyes are open. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like so many of us, whether you're a data person or not, I see feedback as data, right? You get this piece of data and now you get to choose. If you choose to live in this false reality, even with data, that's your choice. Good, bad, or indifferent is up to you to decide. Um, and you said it right. It is, it, 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 you said it's like a gift with the feedback. Uh, I think recognizing that information, which you're saying is data, is valuable. Yes. And as executive assistants, we love information. You know, what restaurant is right? What travel plan should we create? What's the right way to run a meeting? What's the right format and information necessary to, for calendar booking? We, we literally run on information. Exactly. Yeah. I like the, and I like the word information better. I like that. Much Do you? Than yeah. Yes. Information. And, and I, I get the data point. I love data. And it, it, for me, I think it could be interchangeable. You said something and I was like, oh my God. I got to talk on this and then we'll kind of keep going through our predetermined questions, but I love it how conversations just spark new questions. I'm not enough. And in the work that I do, and one of the very large reasons with launching this podcast in November of 2019 was to provide a place for assistance, pretty much professionals who support people to show up and be reminded of many great things, as well as be uh, presented with things to consider, things to feel uh, properly challenged so that they can be, as you have in your you know, opening bio, their best version. When you think about the phrase, I'm not enough, and you mentioning that the feedback people were giving to you is ultimately a gift, which I love to hear you phrase it that way, how can someone start to dismiss the I'm not enough thinking. That is a... (laughs) (laughs) That's a deep question. (laughs) That is the million dollar question. It is, isn't it? Any certain tools that you pull from with your work with positive intelligence? Yeah, very much so. Um, So again, I'll speak more specifically to me and some of the folks that I've seen go through positive intelligence and have these great outcomes. The first is recognizing the voice of your inner judge. (laughs) Say that one more time, please. That's too good. Voice of? Recognizing the voice of your inner judge. Okay, very good. Now, these are positive intelligence terms. So if judge doesn't resonate, some of us have imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Some of us have an inner critic. Mm -hmm. Hopefully one of those three resonates. Mm -hmm. And the voice is I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. People don't like me. I screwed this up. I always screw it up. Whatever your voice says. Once you recognize that voice and you recognize how much you judge yourself and how much you judge others, that's step one. 
to overcoming this dilemma we're talking about. Two is recognizing that we are at all times the best versions of ourselves. We may not act like it, but we always are. And this gets into more of the vernacular of positive intelligence. We talk about it being our sage, our mm. better self, mm -hmm. our true self, our higher being. Again, whatever term you like best. Mm -hmm. And the I way like that sage. I get, yeah. sage is wonderful. And so the way that sometimes we can embody this sage in the absence of going through the positive intelligence work is to think about a time where you were completely in your flow. Mm. You were operating as your best self. You were proud of yourself. There were no hiccups. The voice of the judge and the quote unquote, I'm not enough was completely gone. You didn't even hear that voice. Maybe it was a time at work. Maybe you were being a great parent. I'm a mountain biker. Sometimes when I'm on the bike, I am in my ease and flow and I feel wonderful. doesn't matter what it is. But if you can embody that feeling of your own greatness and recognize the voice of judge when it tries to get in the way, um, those are the two secrets to me. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that too hypothetical or is that? No, you did a great job. And I want to just point out something. <clears throat> I recorded an episode and it's, it's a permission slip. So it's a short version with just me giving insight and doing research and speaking to a topic. And the topic of the episode is a gift or a curse self talk. And I d did a ton of research in advance of recording that and was blessed to come across a research paper done by American Psychological Association. And this paper was done in 2014. And the title of the research paper, self-talk as a regulatory mechanism, how you do it matters. And it was a really great research paper. And I, I gleaned a lot, uh, took a lot away from it and was able to put it through into that episode. So if you guys want something on top of this great conversation, Darren and I are having, you guys should take a listen to that because I bring forward something that's called productive worrying, which to your point, you know, the voice of your judge, right? And that's a great segue to what you talk about a lot with mental fitness. So tell us a little bit about that, please. Yeah. Uh, first, I want to comment, Halani. I, I, I'm interested of in hearing about the self-talk. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You'll have to listen to it and I can send yeah. you the research paper. Actually, the show notes for that episode have a link to the research paper. It was really wonderfully well done. And just, I mean, I, talking about data and information, I was just enthralled with everything that they were describing. And I'd have to kind of go back to my notes to be very specific, but it's totally worth your time. Yeah. Yeah. You have to check it, it out. Mm-hmm. And it, it speaks very much to what mental fitness is all about. Yeah. Yeah. And what you're saying too is how we do it. Sage, uh, someone said on another episode, energy vampire. Hmm. And that was a term that was used by one of her executives many moons ago when there was someone in the office that sucked the life out of a meeting. And even though we haven't said the word energy, so much of how we spend time in our mind doing mental gymnastics, as you say, mental fitness, it exhausts energy. And I always say with decision fatigue, that's actually more of a physical workout connected to having to make decisions, which is what leaders are constantly faced with and executive assistants, you know, from the smallest detail to the biggest, we're, we're exhausted at the end of the day that sometimes it's like four o'clock and you're like, I cannot make one more decision because of that gymnastics and that fitness. So tell us about that, please. Cause I was very excited about being able to spend some time with you on that brain and yeah. mental strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 
we think about our brain as a muscle, mm -hmm. the mental muscle. And just like any other muscle of the body, we have to exercise our mental muscles. And the way we do that is in a variety of ways, um, visualizations, sitting quietly for two minutes, um, observing what's around us with true curiosity. Mm. These are ways that we build our mental muscles. Mm -hmm. Now, the more mentally fit we are, more mentally strong we are, the more we can overcome life's challenges. And I'm going to use your um, um, self-talk example. Okay. So thinking about some of the executive assistants that I partnered with, this is a real story that someone told me, was that when they made a mistake, this executive assistant made a mistake, she would beat herself up. <laughs> I'm saying amen for those listening because we know we're guilty of that. Yes. Which is why spending time with you is so important. Yes, carry on. I love it. Right? So we make a mistake and then we beat ourselves up. So the first thing to note as a little bit of a sidebar is when someone else makes a mistake, how quick we are to forgive, to pat them on the back, to give them the grace that they need to rise up again. Mm -hmm. However, when it comes to ourselves, we're not so gracious, mm -hmm. right? So that's one piece of it. The second piece of it is on the self-talk is once that mistake is made, we have a decision point, quite frankly. We can continue to beat ourselves up, talk about how we're not enough, talk about how dumb we are, talk about whatever it is that is judgmental. Mm -hmm. The other side of that self-talk equation is to say, okay, I made a mistake, right? I'm not happy about the mistake. I don't want to make this mistake again, but what can I learn from it? Right. Do I need a new system? Do I need a new process? Do I have to fill in the blank? And so mental fitness refers to the ability to perform the latter, which is once we make a mistake or whatever the life challenge is, we have a decision point. We can beat ourselves up or we can rise above. Those who are more mentally fit rise above more often than not. Do you find that, and so I'm raising an 11 and 15 year old, and there's a golden opportunity in each day to help them start having habits turn natural tendencies, traits, characteristics, all these things, because I'm investing in each of them. I think the work that I do every day with humans puts it a bit more in the spotlight for me as I'm raising the next generation of humans. It is extremely easy to be negative. It is extremely easy to worry that when we are in that bad habit for far too long and long can be labeled by months and years and so on, that having to take the time, and you said it, right, a two-minute break, take the time to actually make that shift. It, by the way, it is so rewarding, so rewarding. And it, once you get just a, a taste of that small reward, you're like, it was worth it. How can someone embrace the fact that maybe they over-worry and that having uh, less of that in their life is truly better? All right, I'm going to go out on a limb here and try to explain this in a way that has resonated for me. Yes, please. All right, so the metaphor that I want to use is a hand on a hot stove. Okay. Right, so you put your hand on the hot stove and it, it hurts, it, it's hot, it burns you. 
right? And as soon as you feel that heat, you instantaneously move your hand, mm-hmm. right? The other side to that is if you keep your hand on that hot stove and you know it's burning you, you know you're going to be hurt, you know you're going to need aloe, <laughs> you know you're going to yeah. have burns, but you keep it there and you allow yourself to be burned. You're a dodo say, if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. All right, so here's the We're all guilty side. of it, though, so we're all dodo birds. All of yeah, us. Okay. Yeah. Every single one of us. So here's the connection, is that whatever negative emotion we may feel, guilt, shame, worry, overwhelm, insecurity, anxiety, fill in the blank. The longer we stay in those emotions it is just like keeping our hand on the hot stove and burning ourselves. Hmm. (laughs) Now, this plays back into mental fitness again, which is if you recognize, I'll say anxiety, that that was an emotion that I realized I felt much more than I was aware of. Mm -hmm. When I sense nowadays that I am feeling anxious, Mm -hmm. that to me is the heat of the stove. And it is an alert. And If I take my hand off the hot stove, i.e. feel the anxiety, notice the anxiety, I can then explore, why am I anxious? What is going on that's making me feel anxious? And if I can explore those things with an open mind, without judging myself, I usually find an answer, usually find Mm -hmm. an answer in which I can then take action on. Maybe I need to speak up about something Maybe I'm beating myself up about something. Maybe I'm truly anxious about something and I just need to be in it okay for a minute. You know, maybe I've got butterflies before I'm going to speak to a big audience or, you know, I've got a doctor's appointment or I have my executive's big board meeting and it's the first time they've done it or Mm -hmm. I tried this new thing in PowerPoint or whatever it is, right? If we can recognize the emotion, recognize the feeling and instead of going into it, spiraling downwards into the shame spiral, and simply be aware of it and know why, to me, that's a big trick of mental fitness is recognizing I'm in this place and I'm strong enough to come out of it. Yeah. And I think you bring up something really beautiful that that's sort of step one of many steps required to take that positive shift. And the part that's challenging for many is they're already exhausted. They are already with a full plate of things. And so I'm very much of the mindset and I'd love your feedback, whether in agreement or more micro moments. And just as you've kind of pointed out, right? Someone's taking on a new role. You know, they've been asked to over, uh, look over a PowerPoint presentation and these are the key things you need to look for. And you want to perform that well because, wow, that opens a door for maybe new responsibilities if you excel. And so you're nervous and then you wind up spending extra minutes that weren't necessary or you're staying up late to look at it, which, by the way, that's an investment in your career. And so you should be doing those things, which then awards you more later on without kind of having, and some people kind of want a true list to check off that list, to say, I did this, I did this. And we're all list makers for the most part as assistants and we should be. And then it's like, okay, now is, does it work or does it not work? We are very prescribing society, right? Prescribe me this to fix that, which then also has a list of 10 things that could also go wrong. Do you have any tips on how people can maybe take that first step to work towards 
the many steps that would be required, which are circumstantial, no situation is one and the same. Do you have that first leading step that helps them say, I can try that and it's worth my time and energy? I do. Great. Tell us about it. <laughs> uh, all right. So it's, it's, um, this first step <laughs> is going to be like one A, B and C. Great. So there's three little ones, if you will. But, um, the little steps I think one can take is first identify what you value. What do you value in yourself? What do you value in life? What do you value in your relationships and so on and so forth? So this is a values exercise. We do it as coaches all the time. So one is identify your values. Two is identify your insecurities. What triggers you? What makes you feel like I am not enough? And then the third thing is, be preemptive in recognizing when these things come up. And what I mean by is, you know, if you're not a great writer and your boss asks you to write a press release, that is probably going to trigger you. Absolutely. How can you preemptively avoid, and maybe avoid is the wrong word, but overcome that sense of insecurity so you can tackle this project, accomplish this project, with clear laser focused action, knowing you are gonna crush it because you are amazing. And you didn't use this word, but this is what I wrote because we do this when we're really engaged in our role as admins is we anticipate, we anticipate that, and, and this is a great point to insert. We always forget about ourselves. And it's a big part of me mm -hmm. being a healthy pusher on professional admins that remember you. And that anticipatory activity that we have for our leader or people associated with our leader to your kind of one C of your answer, we need to anticipate where we're going to be triggered and then figure out what we can do to overcome it. And I loved your example of writing the press release. There's a large part of getting closer to your own values when you speak up to say, this is not a strength of mine, but I'm very excited about this. May I have an extra... A block of time to resource marketing and, you know, someone in the creative team to guide me initially, but I want to take this on for you. They will likely say, yes, go right ahead because you spoke up to the vulnerability. You spoke up sort of giving you, as you said, and it's my favorite word, grace on this is something new for me, but taking that risk or accepting that challenge. I think that's really awesome. I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm smiling and nodding at everything you said. You're, you're <laughs> nail on the head. Yeah, thank you. I knew this would be a great episode considering how much we uh, think alike. When, when you, and you sort of talked about it there briefly, you do emotional, you do positive intelligence with your work. Can you just share a, a little bit, some um, language of what that is and how that helps organizations and teams? Yes. All right, so positive intelligence is its own little world, if you will, right? We have our own vernacular, our own ways of, of talking, being, etc. So it gets difficult sometimes because I'm in it and trying to give the bird's eye view. So the first thing that I think is important to note is the work of positive intelligence starts with a very structured six-week program. And this program is open to any and all. Uh, you and I, Halani, have spoken about my desire of 
testing, if you will, what it's like if an executive assistant and their executive singular or plural went through it together. So if anybody listening is interested in this, I'd love to explore it with you. Mm-hmm. So the program itself is very structured. Now, what I think it does remarkably well, and unlike anything else I've ever been through, is it does a tremendous job of beating us down (laughs) in a a good way. Yeah. It highlights how loud that voice of our judge is. It highlights what it does to us in terms of beating us down, in terms of affecting often negatively our our productivity, how we show up in difficult situations, how we parent, how we do just about anything. Mm -hmm. And then it does an equally tremendously great, great job of building us up through the eyes of what we call sage. And sage is our better selves, our higher selves, our inner wisdom. If anyone's a Star Wars person, it's like our inner Jedi. It's like (laughs) all these wonderful things. And so the way it helps us at work is by, again, recognizing what makes us feel insecure, what are our triggers, how do we anticipate them, and how to rise above. And said another way is it shows us that we are still worthy and we are still great even when we make a mistake, when we don't perform our best, and especially when we need to ask for help. Everybody needs help. It doesn't mean we're not good. It just means we need help. So Mm -hmm. when you think of, yeah, please go ahead. Oh, sorry. Last thing. When, When we engage our sage, this is where we come from a place of compassion, giving ourselves and others grace, empathy, creativity, exploration, all of the open-mindedness that we need to accomplish great things. Yeah. And I'll, I'll speak for some of the admins that might be rolling their eyes going, yeah, I'm never going to get my executive to sign up to do that. What is the profile of a partnership that makes sense to present this to? Do you think, let's remove the EA and the executive partnership for an executive leadership team, six people, right? The, the chiefs, if you will. Where, what, what is the profile? What is it when they're like, that's the tool for us to engage with right now to learn more deeply about our team members? Yeah. The first thing I'm going to say, because I, I appreciate the rolling of the eyes and my executive, executive <laughs> will never go to it, right? is... Positive intelligence was built on research specifically with CEOs. Mm. And what the research showed was that many CEOs were highly successful and unbelievably unhappy. So they were succeeding in lieu of happiness, positive life, feeling fulfilled and satisfied, et cetera, et cetera. What the research has showed is that these CEOs after positive intelligence, and and it takes more than six weeks, it takes time. But after they started to embody and embrace the teachings of PQ, positive intelligence, Mm -hmm. they were successful and happy, fulfilled and satisfied. It became Mm -hmm. this beautiful marriage. Mm -hmm. Now, to answer your question, the profile, quite frankly, is for those looking for uh, a greater and more open sense of consciousness. If your executive knows everything and you can't tell them something new, PQ is not for them. (laughs) 
we've just lost about 60% of our listeners, okay. uh, which is sometimes a facade when we think about <laughs> imposter syndrome, but yes, keep going. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, positive intelligence has directly been tied to greater performance, increased productivity, increased sales, increased profitability. And if anyone out there listening has any interest in learning more about this and or your executive teams are open to learning more about themselves in an, in an, in an objective way that also has a very strong sprinkle of emotion on top, uh, that is the profile. People who are emotionally aware or at least open to considering their emotions and willing to explore them. I'm going to point out something and I would love for your take. I say often in one-on-one -on -one calls, and I'm sure I've mentioned it in a, a bit of a sprinkling across many episodes, executive assistants have a very important um, component in their role to lead their executive. And what I mean by that is, we have a chance to display certain behaviors and tendencies to kind of wake up the leader, especially when an assistant says to their executive, you know, in the middle of the day on Friday, hey, we did great this week. We want the, the executive to say that to us. And there's something very telling about being outward with positivity to people and be a role model. If an individual wants to go through this process with you to become you know, a higher sense of consciousness, they then can start to exercise their discoveries. And as you said, with one A, B, and C, their values of who they are and what they want out of life, that they have a chance to then start emanating or, or putting out their, what they want to receive. What thoughts do you have on that? Yeah, I just had to think for a second because feel like I'm beating this positive intelligence drum quite a bit. No, <laughs> it's, that's to why we're together. Yeah. The objective. But here's what we say, or here's at least what I say, is that up until, you know, just a few months ago, I had lived my entire adult life and adolescent life in my brain, having these conversations of, I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. Right. And it wasn't until I learned a positive intelligence and someone told me what that voice was, and how damaging it was that I started to change. So what I, the reason I share that is because what we say is most people are walking around with the voice of judge and saboteur in their brain, right? There's negative talk, there's something wrong with me, there's something wrong with you. And just about everyone you interact with is having that same discussion. And so what I like to say is that when we fight judge with judge, judgment with judgment, it is like fighting a fire with gasoline, <laughs> yeah. right? I'm insecure, I attack you. You're insecure, you attack me. And it just escalates. Mm. Um, so unproductive. Totally. And I would encourage anybody to think about any argument they've had with their significant other and how quickly that can, <laughs> can yeah. become inflammatory, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, with positive intelligence, what we say is that when you feel more in line with your sage and your higher being, as someone else is fighting their own judge and potentially judging you, 
you are strong enough to recognize that you have enough self-worth that their feedback, their judgment of you doesn't hurt you. And so mm-hmm. what, when we get to this higher place of being, right, we're more self-reliant, we have more self-worth, our values are on full display, so on and so forth. And when we can openly communicate that to somebody, right, think about how de-escalating that can be, right? Someone maybe lobs, whether it's a passive-aggressive comment, a piece of critical feedback, something that may fall under the bucket of negative. And if you're able to say, thank you for that piece of feedback. Here's how I feel about that. Here's my value that I feel is in alignment or misalignment. I'm strong enough in who I am that what you say, I appreciate and it's a gift. Think about how de-escalating that is as opposed to engaging that person in the argument and then fighting fire with gasoline. My God, I love it. It's, yes. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned you're 45 and I'm 41 and thinking about the journey that I've been on personally as a human being and much of what I've learned in every phase of my life, it comes down to, do I love myself? Do I know what my gifts and talents are? Where do they apply? Where are they not appreciated? How can I inspire or motivate, encourage, de-escalate a situation for the betterment of everyone. I mean, I'm doing that with my kids. I'm doing that with my husband. I'm regularly having touch points with candidates who are seeking employment or, you know, entertaining it. And it's, it's definitely a lot of work that when I look back through the years, what I, where I've arrived, I'm very pleased with. And I want to say that all because I want people to know that it's totally worth your time, totally worth your time. And as you said, being in your flow and self-worth, God, how great is it to love yourself? It's a big thing. And, and kind of in connection to that, because the, the reason I'm able to say where I'm at now is due to the people I've surrounded myself with the inspiration and the positive challenges people have presented for me to have to work through, what would be the best advice you ever received? Oh man, the best advice I've ever received. Uh, You know, what's really interesting is I was just writing about this today. Um, I was in my own little shame spiral. Mm -hmm. Um, Truth be known, and I'm, I'm not shy to admit that my corporate career has been plagued with a me being led by what I felt were poor leaders Mm, mm -hmm. and B me not having the discernment or the emotional intelligence to rise above Mm -hmm. and C I made myself expendable. Oh shoot. (laughs) That's not good. That's not good. But now you're in your flow. So maybe it it was a part of the plan. Yeah. Okay. Very much so. So I share that because my story was, again, I'm not enough. I'm not enough for the corporate world. I can't play this game. I can't be me. I got to follow these crappy leaders, fill in the blank. Yeah. And I was in one of these shame spirals and I was talking to someone about uh, my new career over the last few years of being a career coach. And this gentleman looked me in the eye and he said, take count of all your failures and that is your value proposition. Say that again, please. Take count of all your failures. Take count of all your of all of your failures, 
And that is your value proposition. I'm going to unpack that. I say in order to be interesting, you have to be interested. So you have to be interested to want to do more, which presents you with opportunities to fall down, brush off the dirt, get back up and keep moving on. And because of that falling down, as you say, with failures, gives us a blip in our story that no one can ever replicate, that speaks to what we have learned through the years. Would you say that that's a, a compliment to what you've just said? 100%. Yeah. Okay. And that is a big part of what I like to do with, go on that journey with candidates when they're explaining challenges or admins that are hurt hitting a certain mark within their role. And I've placed them and they're like, Hey, I'm kind of at a point where I'm struggling. And we talk about that struggle. And then we unpack where the learning moments have been and how the learning moments give them unique experience, uh, unique knowledge that is applicable to the role. And if we don't recognize those failures, God, that's such a great way to put it, you know, take a, take count of your failures and that is your proposition. So for people that are maybe looking at finding new employment, speak to a failure, what you learned, and that is going to just speak on a ton of different categories about who you are with integrity and what you learn, and you're happy to admit a mistake. And there's so much authenticity connected to that. Wow, that was really great, Darren. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, thinking about you know, this great conversation, gosh, what we've covered, my notes are just so long and so scattered. I love it. I do believe I was a doctor in a past life because I've got doctor writing when I write fast and aggressively. When you think about the work that you do, you know, we've been building a relationship in the work that I do and just the world of admins. Do you have any closing thoughts or inspiration you want to leave with them? I do. All right. So again, I put some thought into this as well. Excellent. So the first is kind of piggybacking on what we said earlier, which is know your personal and professional values. Mm -hmm. Know them well. And if anyone's interested, I've got a very easy exercise I'm happy to share with anybody about how to identify those values. Okay. Once you know them, be mindful and recognize when they are in alignment and when they are not. And if they are not in alignment, you have a choice. Do you continue with the behavior or the activity or whatever it may be, or do you not? Mm -hmm. So that's one. Uh, two is speak your voice. Ah, okay. Love it. There is a saying for entrepreneurs that says, nobody knows what you do unless you tell them. Mm -hmm. And the same is true for anybody. And I'll make it specific to the executive assistants is if you are feeling unappreciated, undervalued, disrespected, or anything else that may fall into that negative bucket, no one will know unless you speak up. So speak your voice. Love it. Okay. And the last thing that I will say is be willing to play in the uncomfortable. Mm. You've got to push yourself just a little bit further than your comfort level to see what comes. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to speak up. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to ask for help. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to say no. 
but sometimes it's the best thing to do. So yeah. unless we play in that uncomfortable, it doesn't, things don't happen. Things don't change. I am going to compliment that with a real life uh, situation. I was coaching an admin. She's a little green. She's been a professional now for about five years out of college. And I told her that she has placed herself in a small box. And when we think about our role, we have high lofty goals that we want to reach. And I love that. I never want anyone to compromise that, but there can be multiple steps in advance of that high goal we've set for ourselves. And so if you think about, you know, putting yourself with guardrails around you, pick them up and just move them two inches, giving you more space to play that healthy comfort zone, but there's more to work with so that you can bring more into your life versus feeling confined, constrained, claustrophobic. And so I definitely love, you know, being willing to work with the unwilling things so that you can become more comfortable with just a little bit more. And you said the word no, and we could probably have a whole episode on that word alone. Uh, so we won't park there now that we're kind of at the end, thinking about being able to allow more into your life that challenges you in a healthy manner. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. I love, Gosh. And I love, I love the guardrails too, because I struggle very much with hard and fast rules. Mm. I believe very strongly in flexibility. Uh, I very rare, I shouldn't say very rarely, I guess it's situational, but I typically don't apply a one size fits all. Mm, mm -hmm. And what I think about guardrails is first and foremost, like you were saying, allows you to play within those guardrails. And so you've got some flexibility within the you know, constraints or the rules of the game. Uh, the other thing I like to add about those guardrails is they are elastic. You can bump up against those guardrails and they I will give it. a little bit. Yes. Oh, that's so great. I'm going to have to add that kind of the mental visual that people make now. Yeah. When you think about going to like the indoor bouncy houses, the walls, when kids are doing or adults even are, you know, jumping on the side of the wall to do a flip to another uh, trampoline square, there's that pliability with the, the uh, wall part. I love that. I'm going to start using that. Thank you. I'll give you credit when I do. Um, awesome. Darren, this has been such a fantastic conversation. I'm very honored that you've given me this time and all of this wisdom that you've been wonder wonderfully spilling out for everyone's ears as they listen in. And uh, tell us where we can find you so those that are in, uh, intrigued can reach out, especially as you mentioned, you have a quick exercise uh, template that they could work with to work through those values. Uh, let us know, please. Where can everyone find you? Yeah, so I'll give, I'll give two ways. Okay. Um, the first is I am the only Darren Canthal in LinkedIn. Oh my God, so, I love it. <laughs> so if you look me up, you'll find me. It's K-A-N-T-H-A-L. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one way. The second way is my website, which is candidcareercoaching.com. Okay, and I will have links in the show notes for both of those so people can just quickly open it up in the uh, audio app, click it and get access to you. Thank you so much, Darren. This is really wonderful. It was great to hear your voice and have this wonderful conversation for everyone to enjoy. Thank you, Hulani. I appreciate it. I don't even know where to begin. We covered so much thought provoking laughter and just great conversation. Remember, you're the reason you get up every day and work as hard as you do. Do things for you, your executive, and your organization. And remember, it's all worth it.